electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Welcome, as usual, to a very busy Thursday on Power Lunch. We've got a sell-off on Wall Street amid an aggressive inflation fight that, uh, if it's not just starting, uh, it's really getting some power behind it now. The risk of recession, it is rising, say most people. Stocks falling, the Dow breaking below 30,000, lowest level in more than a year. So what's ahead for equities, for bonds, and the market as it undergoes this great reset with new opportunities potentially. We've got a big hour ahead as we track this continuing sell-off, Kelly. Yeah, Tyler, thank you. And just to your point, let's look at, we're near session lows right now. The Dow is below 29,900. Down 860 was the session low. We're down 788 right now. Uh, we're 19, these are the, the, in blue, the percentages that each of the major averages is off their recent all-time highs. The Dow's down 19%, the S&P's down 24%, the NASDAQ is down almost 35%. It's trading at 10,600 and change, its lowest level since September of 2020. Now, the blue chip names are getting hit by these recession concerns. Home Depot, Intel, Walgreens, J.P. Morgan, all of these hitting 52-week lows today. Every member of the Vanguard Semiconductor ETF trading lower as well, and that includes names like OnSemi down 10%, uh, AMD down at the bottom there, down 9%. Those are some of the biggest laggards. What's holding up? Walmart, Procter & Gamble, Colgate, Palmolive, staple stocks known to be somewhat more recession-proof. These are gains still only of about 1%, Tyler. Well, what seems to have uh, investors spooked today, Kelly, is that a growing number of economists say a contraction in the economy next year is going to be difficult to avoid if it's not already taking uh, root right now. Wells Fargo now calling for a mild recession following the Fed's three-quarters of a point rate hike yesterday, the largest since 1994. New data this morning pointing to a slowdown. Let's take housing starts off at a two-year low by 14 percent down for a second straight month. The Philly Fed factory activity index at manufacturing it contracted for the first time in two years. And yesterday we learned that activity in the New York Fed also contracted. New York state of mind, not so hot. All right, to fight inflation, the Bank of England hiking rates for the fifth straight time by a quarter percentage point. And the Swiss Central Bank surprising the market with its first rate hike since 2007. It is all playing out, folks, in the bond market where Rick Santelli is tracking the action. Rick, yields are lower than they were at this time yesterday. Explain why. Indeed they are, and there's a variety of reasons, not the least of which is that many investors think whatever the ultimate terminal rate is for the Fed, that ultimately when we get there, the rest of the curve is going to be lower because the economy is going to be stalling. Listen, I know the definition of two negative quarters isn't really the definition of recession, but try to tell that to a trader who sees first quarter was negative and the second quarter isn't looking a whole lot better. Look at a two-day of twos and a two-day of tens in the U.S., and you can see what Tyler is talking about. As a matter of fact, two-year note yields are now under yesterday's low yield. Why is that significant? 
because it's pushing curves steepening. And even though stocks aren't all off their bottoms, it's definitely getting more buoyant when that occurred, just like it occurred yesterday. The minute we started to see steepening post-Fed announcement at 2 Eastern, we did see the equity markets have the rebound. It didn't hold today, but the real tug of war is what the Fed's going to do, how long and how hard it's going to be for them to get there versus how much damage is done to the domestic and global economies. And as Tyler pointed out, the Swiss, yes, they raised rates a half a percent, and it's still minus 0.25. It's still minus one quarter, one percent. And as you look at their 10-year, it is hovering at the highest yields in 10 years. And as you look at what's going on in the UK after their fifth quarter point increase, it was largely expected, but yields there also, just above 250, are hovering at eight-year highs, very similar to the boom yields. So ultimately, what investors need to do is they need to divine which is more dangerous, trying to pick bottoms in the treasuries where yields are getting juicier, or of course, to try to pick a bottom in equities where recession talk is certainly making them much more squeamish. Kelly, back to you. Rick, thank you very much. As global central banks move away from easy money, is a recession inevitable? Our next guest says that's the reset that's underway. It will bring prices back to reality. Let's welcome Jim Grant. He is founder and editor of Grant's Interest Rate Observer. Jim, welcome. It's great to see you again. Well, thank you, Kelly. Nice to be here. I, I, I feel in, in an unfortunate way like the world at least is probably starting to make a little more sense to you than it did the past couple of years. Yes. Well, Kelly, this is Interest Rate Liberation Day. Uh, the uh, Japanese peg on its uh, 10-year yield, 25 basis points, appears to have been broken or is breaking. And the Swiss, as Rick just observed, have, uh, have moved away a little bit from deep zero to slightly more that, or less than <laughs> deep zero. So uh, my uh, take on this is that uh, uh, this is fundamentally to the good interest rates being the most con consequential prices in capitalism. They ought to be uh, market-determined. And we have been living, certainly since the Great Recession of so long ago, uh, with market, uh, not determination, but uh, uh, prices being administered largely by, by central banks. These important prices being administered by the central banks. And it has given us um, you know, lovely bull markets, but also, I think, a wholesale misallocation of resources, of time, and of brain power. Um, it's given us... Uh, you know, the, uh, the great crypto delusion has given us uh, the, the immensity of private equity, highly leveraged, uh, public venture experiments, and on and on and on. So I think that we are leaving the all of mirrors and that interest rates, uh, if to the extent they will be determined in the marketplace, will be the guide for the future. I mean, that's a good thing. Jim, you know, you, you can, I guess, sum it up. Payback is rich, but it can make you poor in this case. How much longer does this uh, reset need to play out? And how much lower then uh, should we expect, for example, the stock market to go? How much, um, how much re recession risk is really baked into this reset as we return to a reality where the markets determine what rates are as opposed to policymakers yeah. artificially depressing them? Well, I think the way to think about the degree of difficulty now, say, that the Fed is undertaking is to uh, recall the, uh, the old fraternity, college fraternity trick in which the, uh, the pledge 
is tasked with pulling out the tablecloth from a table set with a fine crystal and uh, glassware. And, and uh, that pledge is likely to be uh, unsuccessful. And there'll be a clattering sound followed by his too timid yank at the tablecloth. And I think that is not a bad analogy. Um, you know, uh, inflation is a complex phenomenon. And uh, certainly, as we have all been able to observe, uh, ever so few predicted it. And now many are rushing to predict its end. So I think it will persist. I think the central banks will probably um, become the recipients of the, the, the events will be leading the central banks. We've been accustomed to thinking that central banks are in charge. No, events now, I think, will be in charge. And on form, uh, moves uh, exceed reason. Uh, it'll go too deep. Uh, the stock market perhaps in too high in interest rates. But I mean, I, um, this is part of what we here at Grants call the value restoration project. And yes, it's painful. But it had to happen. And, um, you know, there are, there are opportunities in the wings. And I think uh, we ought not to get too discouraged. Let's talk specifically as possible about those, Jim, for a lot of investors who are going to be nodding in agreement with everything you've said. Um, some of the markets are back to pretty much pre-pandemic levels. Do you buy equities uh, in general here, here and feel OK about it? Um, are there specific stocks, sectors or well, strategies yeah. that you would recommend? Kelly, let me tell you about a. A, a very small and kind of quirky, but uh, I think quite inspirational uh, small cap fund that goes by the name of uh, the Palm Valley Capital Fund. And its uh, remit is to uh, buy small cap stocks uh, over the course of a complete cycle and generate double digit returns doing so. And it is managed by uh, some people, very doughty um, uh, value-minded people who have, in their determined way, refused uh, to buy until, in their judgment, valuations return to levels at which they can do what they pledge to do to their stockholders. So this is $160 million funders, so very small, has most, mostly sat in cash, not trying to predict the future, which certainly we have proven collectively we are unable to do, but, but rather waiting uh, for valuations to meet their criteria. And they're up a little bit this year, like you know, 120 basis points as opposed to everything being down a ton. But I, I think what I, when I say inspirational, I mean that uh, here are people who refused uh, to contract FOMO, who have stuck to the gospel of Graham and Dodd. And I think they're kind of a, a beacon uh, for people, we, we, we ought not to be discouraged, as I say. We ought to recall that uh, stocks are not pieces of paper, but evidences of ownership in operating businesses. Those operating businesses operate over the course of a cycle. Uh, human affairs are jagged and not linear or one's pleasant. But uh, it's a great country, a great economy. And now, Tyler and Kelly, we are looking at... Uh, <laughs> the promise of the liberation of the most important prices in capitalism from the mitts. Do you even the, think there's the going to be... The mitts of the central banks. Jim, quick last question. Do you actually think there's going to be a recession or, or it sounds like you're more, maybe more bullish and just think this is a valuation reset? I think there, I, if I had to guess, which I guess I have to now, I think there will be a recession. Uh, um, but, you know, I, I, I think that, you know, much of the big money in the world is made in times of adversity. Yeah. So, again, uh, be bold, America, and 
not in the way we used to be, but in the way Palm Valley is showing us how to be. Great place to leave it. I'd love to spend another hour talking to you about, about crypto, but alas, we don't have that amount of time. We'll have you back to talk about that, Jim Grant. Thanks. Maybe the next crypto night in America. Crypto night in America. All right. So if the market is resetting, should you change how you invest? Let's bring in our friend and CNBC contributor, Michael Farr, chief market strategist at Hightower Advisors and CEO and founder of Farr, Miller and Washington. Michael, always good to see you. What do you think of what Jim Grant just said? I think Jim Grant's a wise man, uh, has been and a friend for years. Uh, yeah, well, you have to start to begin to think opportunistically after a while when prices really pull back and things go on sale. I, I thought the intro, too, when you talked about that new report out of Wells Fargo, Dr. Jay Bryson, was one of the best interviews I've seen on television in a long time yesterday with Kelly Evans. Kelly, absolutely one of the finest interviews I've ever seen you do. You nailed it. And Credit he was Jay. so informative in that report. He was very plain spoken. And, yeah. uh, I, I watch. Jay's good, but you were better. Uh, that was a great, great interview. Um, oh, you flatterer. So I, I think, Tyler, <laughs> no, watch that. I, you know something, Matheson? You mm. could learn from watching that interview, and I don't say that <laughs> lightly. Sure she really, You're still she not na- getting on the Christmas she card nailed, list, Michael Farr. She nailed it. I'm telling you, she nailed it. Um, uh, but look, so markets are pulling back, and we're down 24%. And the average pullback for a bear market through a recession is 30%. So I'm, I'm not feeling Pollyannish or good about things, but we are uh, historically a lot closer to a bottom than we certainly are to a top. Uh, things were high. They are no longer high. This recession that I think will likely come could take months to play out. So if we go down that 30 percent, the next 6 percent of capitulation could be painful and pain at the pump and pain at the grocery store uh, for several months. But As uh, Jim Grant said, this is when you start to look, and bear markets are where long-term investors make their money. And when you see big cap names that are really pulled back, that have solid balance sheets, I think you have to begin to nibble. I never go kind of all in. I'm a very patient investor. Uh, I'll own stocks for a long time, and I love those Procter & Gamble's and Pepsi-Cola's and those names you were mentioning earlier, but I think there are others you can add now. So uh, bad times are good. You can make good money in bad times or you can begin to do that. So let's nibble at some of those names that you do like right now and explain your your reasoning for them. Let's begin with Amazon. And I'm amazed that not amazed, I suppose, but but you look at its three businesses and the one we associate most with it, which is retail, is sort of your afterthought here. Well, retail's kind of a loser, and, and it's the way they buy market share, basically, at Amazon. They buy market share and a customer base by flat to losing money on, on their retail. Uh, the, the, the cloud uh, and their cloud services are hugely profitable, and so are advertising. And the more users and the more market share they soak up, uh, the better. They've got a double-A uh, rating from S&P 500. They're down 40% off the high, 40%. So for all of the... People have been telling you for years, you have to own Amazon, you have to own Amazon. I didn't own Amazon. I thought it was too expensive. Down 40%, I think I start to nibble. I look at a company, Tyler, like Disney. Disney's down about 50% from $185 to $93, 17 times earnings, uh, 15% growing those earnings. 
They've got Disney Plus that's still increasing the subscriber base. The theme parks are coming back strong. We've lifted the vaccine requirement for folks coming to the U.S. So Europe is coming to the U.S. They're going to Disney. The park prices and ticket prices are high. So you don't go all in, but I, I, I like these companies. Even Goldman Sachs at one time's book, you get to buy Goldman Sachs at one time's book. I don't mean it's going to go up next month or the month after that. But for the long term, I think you're very happy if you add to these positions at these levels and are patient, uh, because five years from now, I think you'll be exceptionally happy. Yeah. My, my big takeaway there is your is that stat that you said that, that we're down about 23 percent, maybe a little more today on the S&P and that the average yep. uh, from peak to trough is about 29, 30 percent, which tells us that maybe we're in the sixth inning uh, of, of of this ugly game. Uh, Michael, if you thought Kelly's interview was good, you should have seen the interview I did with my son, Mac, last night over his grades. Uh, so, Michael Farr, my friend. You know, I would, I would have bought a ticket to that, too. <laughs> they're good, by the way. I'm very happy. I'm happy to be able to say that they're good. boy, Mac. All right, Michael. Thank Attaboy, you, man. boy, Mac. All right. I was going to say it was Thanks. he played and spoken, but sounds like <laughs> yeah, no, was, he had nothing right. to hide. That's awesome. Right. Coming up with the Dow breaking back below 30,000 in today's session, should investors step in to buy? A look at what the charts say could come next and a look at one tech bellwether that's telling you something about where we're going. Plus, recession-proof your portfolio. Two names that could do well during a slowdown and one traditional safety play to avoid. As we go to break, the home construction stocks are down sharply today. TriPoint and Taylor Morrison off more than 12%. We're back in a moment. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Support for this program is provided by Chevron. Methane management is a critical part of achieving a lower carbon future. Chevron is taking action to keep methane in the pipe. Their 2028 upstream methane intensity target is set to be 53% below the 2016 baseline. They're committed to evolving facility designs and operating practices. And they've trialed over 13 advanced detection technologies, including drones and satellites. That's energy in progress. Learn more at chevron.com methane. Welcome back to Power Lunch, everybody. The Dow dropping back below 30,000 today for the first time since January 2021. And the Nasdaq's low rewinds the clock all the way back to September 2020. These round numbers get a lot of attention, like 30K. But obviously, for technical analysis, that's not necessarily what people are watching. For the key numbers here for investors, let's bring in Rich Ross. He's the Senior Managing Director and Head of Technical Analysis at Evercore ISI. Rich, do the, do these does today's trading... Uh, have any significance to you? Uh, yeah, I think it, it reinforces the current themes and trends that, unfortunately, be, we've been working on here for weeks and months. Uh, look, let's be clear. This is a financial crisis chart book in search of a crisis. And if we don't stop going down soon, it's going to find one, Kelly. 
So talk through what the implications are for investors. We spoke to Carter Worth last hour, who was starting to look, you know, sound a little bit more constructive. Yeah, well, I'll tell you, we're seeing historic moves across asset classes vis-a-vis straight lines higher in crude oil, interest rates, mortgage rates, credit spreads, gasoline, and inflation. And when those things go up in a straight line, stocks and consumer sentiment have a propensity to go down in a straight line. As a, as a habit, I don't buy things that go down in a straight line nor sell those that go up in a straight line until those trends have displayed evidence of exhaustion, which is not readily apparent in the charts as we speak. So uh, I'm not quite as sanguine um, as we speak here today. Sure. And he wasn't going off the charts yet, but you know, almost more of a, of a hunch, uh, if you will. All right. The Dow, the K-Web and Apple, we have three, you know, uh, sort of the market overall, uh, particular segment of it and a, a stock that you're watching here. So for the Dow 30, what do you see? Yeah, well, look, we know that the Dow has held up better than the S&P by virtue of its constitution with less technology and growth. When we consider the two of the top stocks in the Dow, which make up 15 percent of that index, are United Healthcare and McDonald's, they have a more defensive hue to them, down 9 and 11 percent year to date. Compare and contrast that with the S&P, which is still very tech heavy, dominated by Apple, Microsoft, and Google. I think we're familiar with technology and the stocks that dominate that. So again, we can take a little comfort from the relative outperformance of the Dow versus the S&P. But again, when I take a holistic view at at the sum of the charts, uh, as it were, this is not a world in which the Dow only goes down 18%, and that's where we are today. Uh, So again, 29 is a line in the sand, 29,000 that is, but I do not expect us to hold here if we continue down this course across asset classes. And my work would suggest that we will continue to go down this road. How how long and how far? And I think you you make a really critical point that we have to remember. The Dow is a price weighted as uh, uh, index, so a highly priced stock like United Health uh, counts for a lot more uh, than a lower priced stock. Yeah, you know, Tyler. Look, you you've hit the nail on the head here. Any bottom is a function of price and time. In the old-timey days, it used to be a function of price, time, and Fed policy, which has essentially marked the low of every major market decline in recorded history. But in the absence of Fed policy support, of course, in the presence of inflation at a 40-year high, price and time are going to take longer in terms of both magnitude and duration. And I would put forth that here we are just six months from an all-time high, Tyler. And, and again, we went up for 13 years and we've gone down for six months. So for my work, the punishment still doesn't fit the crime. This hmm. one's going to take a little longer to work itself out without that help from the Fed. And you'd still be a seller of Apple here, Rich, but you are a buyer of the K-Web, is that right? Yeah, this is really interesting because in, in this macro maelstrom, if you will, China has been somewhat of a port in the storm. And consider if we think back to 08, and no one likes the sentence that starts with 08, emerging markets in China bottomed months before the S&P bottomed in March of 09. And I think history both repeats and rhymes here as it pertains to Chinese internet names. Back in March, you saw that crescendo low on the controversial call from a competitor. And again, we come back around and retest that low, only to put in a critical double bottom, which provides the catalyst for a breakout above that 20-week moving average. And I can tell you that what gets you out of a trade gets you in. Look at the break below that 20-week. That came early last year. Here we are, 
18 months later, reclaiming the level which defined resistance for that downtrend. I love the double bottom base breakout. I like the idea of that which led us lower. China now leading us higher. But again, don't take comfort in that as a U.S. investor, but do take comfort in that if you buy Chinese internet stocks. Well, like you said, China bottomed before the U.S. that time around. So I'm going to leave it on that glimmer uh, for us now today. Rich, thanks so much. Thank you. Rich Ross. Alrighty, up next, Tech Wreck, the once high-flying growth stocks taking the biggest hit in that group, specifically Kathy Wood's ARC down. ARC, Noah, anybody out there? Down 6%. We'll break down the uh, biggest declines next. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash Credit Card. It's ready when you are, with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash Credit Card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. Welcome back to Power Lunch, everybody. Broad sell-off on Wall Street today. Tech getting hit the hardest. NASDAQ down 4% and then some. And Kathy Wood's ARK Innovation ETF down more than 6%. Christina Partzinevelis joins us now with a look at some of the biggest holdings in that ARK ETF. Christina. Yeah, this ARC ETF is on pace for its eighth monthly loss in a row, inching closer to that March pandemic low of about 34 bucks a share. And yet Kathy Wood doesn't appear to be too worried. Uh, Kathy Wood, in an interview with Goldman Sachs, said that inflationary pressures are beginning to ease. She thinks the current inflation situation is a one-time shock, and that's because of a drop in shipping rates and discounts at retailers due to higher inventory, a.k.a. a drop in prices. Risky, though, earlier stage tech companies, and these are the ones that are in the ARK Innovation, rose to fame in 2020 when rates were at record lows. But it is these same companies that are struggling today. Constituents Unity Software leading to the downside, followed by Roblox. And then you also have the ticker DNA that we're going to show you on your screen. And then some of the biggest holdings like Zoom. Tesla, Roku have dropped more than 30% year to date. Look at that, way more than 30% year to date. And about a week ago, Kathy Wood's team predicted Zoom video would actually hit $1,500. That's over 12, 1,200% upside from today's price. And another catalyst for the ETF, crypto. The fund's ninth largest holding is Coinbase, which has seen a significant decline in cryptocurrencies. The stock itself is down 80% year to date and would bought 300,000 shares of coin in just the past month. Christina, a question here. During the last year, as the fund was losing, going down uh, after its, uh, its time in the sun, it turns out that Wood was actually adding risk. What was she doing and why? 
Well, just within the last year or so, she slashed the number of holdings in the ETF. It went from 60 to 35. So what does that do? That means that you have more stock-specific risk. You have less liquidity. You're more vulnerable to severe losses. But maybe things are going to change. There's been talk of succession right now. In May, uh, ARC, the fund itself, named two current analysts as associate portfolio managers. And Kathy Wood, 66, not old at all. Uh, she has been in charge of these nine ETFs under the ARC uh, fund. Maybe, maybe that could signal change. Well, we'll see. Christina, thank you. Thanks. Let's get to Contessa Brewer now for the CNBC News Update. Contessa? Hi there, Kelly. Good afternoon, everybody. Here's your CNBC News Update. The January 6th hearings are continuing right now. Retired federal judge Michael Ludig accused President Trump and his allies of launching a war on democracy. That declaration of Donald Trump as the next president would have plunged America into what I believe would have been tantamount to a revolution. He said in a constitutional crisis there. Two U.S. veterans who volunteered to join the effort against Russia in Ukraine have been reported missing by their families. Alabama residents Alex Druka and Huin have not been heard from since last week after going on a mission. U.S. officials are in contact with Ukrainian authorities, but right now, those are all the details we know. WNBA star Sue Bird has tweeted that she will retire at the end of the 2022 season. Bird is a four-time WNBA champion. She currently leads the league in all-time assists. She's played her entire 21-year career with the Seattle Storm. No doubt a big loss for that team. Kelly, I'll send it back to you. All right, some WNBA news in honor of our producer, Paul Amon, who's probably the biggest fan uh, of that league. Contessa, thanks. Ahead on Power Lunch, there's more on this market sell-off with momentum stocks bearing the brunt of the volatility. But is there anywhere in the sector that could be safe? The Dow's down 804. And are there recession-resistant names hiding out there? We will lay them all out. There's a hint when Power Lunch returns. We've got a little less than 90 minutes left in the trading day, and we want to get you caught up on the sell-off. Uh, stocks, bonds, commodities, that's what we're going to look at. And the two tech stocks, our next guest, uh, says uh, were bought just today. Let's begin with Dom Chu on the market action. Dom. All right, so it's a down day, bad one at that, no way to sugarcoat it. Last half hour or so, what you're seeing on the screen right now is a retest of the session lows, with the new lows being set on this basis that percentage-wise move is a 2.8% decline for the Dow, 35 plus for the S&P at this point, and almost 4.5% for the NASDAQ composite. It now puts, by the way, the total drawdown from record highs at 19% for the Dow from records, 24% below the S&P's record, and 35% below for the NASDAQ composite. Now, the losses today being led by the energy sector, followed up by discretionary tech and communication services, while the outperformer is consumer staples. Now, Investors are seeking some of that relative perceived safety of less economically sensitive sectors like those staples. To that end, only about a dozen stocks in the entire S&P 500 that are positive on the day. You've got those consumer staples like Procter & Gamble, Church & Dwight, Colgate-Palmolive, General Mills, Hormel. You can see they're all green. Also keep an eye on Newmont Mining. The gold miner is on the rise alongside precious metals prices like gold and silver as inflation concerns continue to factor into that broader market story. Also worth noting, some of the biggest losers in trading so far, economically sensitive ones, consumer-focused names, Norwegian Cruise Lines, 
Royal Caribbean, Caesars Entertainment, American Airlines and Ralph Lauren, as those recession fears stoke worries about the health of that consumer spending picture. So those ones are deeper in the red than others. Ty, back over to you. All right, Dom, thank you very much. Let's go to the bond market now. Rick Santelli tracking the action. Uh, talk to us, Rick. Well, I'll tell you, if you look at the twos to ten spread over the last couple of days, you can see it's had bouts of steepening. Why is this important? Because as two-year note yields sink faster than the rest of the curve, it's being used as a proxy for not only the terminal rate of the Fed, but trying to pick bottoms in equities. Now, as you look at a two-day of the dollar, it's really getting hit hard here, and it's coming off a 20-year high, and it is dropping because other central banks, from a peer pressure standpoint, are playing catch-up their currencies doing better. Week today, the euro currency, case in point, as other central banks tighten, it's putting more and more pressure on Lagarde to get more aggressive. Pound versus dollar after the fifth tightening, it had a nice bounce, but its bounce is from a two-year low. Tyler, back to you. All right, Rick, thank you very, very much. Uh, oil is bouncing back uh, after getting as low as $113 a barrel in early trading today. Pippa Stevens joins us now with all the details. What's going on in oil, Pippa? Yeah, hey, Tyler, green on the screen for oil, which is hard to find these days in the market. We did actually get as low as 112 earlier on WTI before prices reversed course. That reversal came after new comments from U.S. officials around Iranian sanctions, as well as Russia's deputy prime minister, Alexander Novak, saying he is not ruling out $150 oil. A weaker dollar is also helping out. Let's check on prices WTI right around 118 with Brent around 120, both up about 2%. Now turning to natural gas on the move here in the U.S., but spiking over in Europe off the highs of the day, but still up more than 40% this week. Russia has further reduced the amount of gas flowing through the Nord Stream 1 pipeline. They say it's because of equipment issues, but Germany says the move is political. The country's deputy chancellor saying the situation is serious and that companies and citizens should save energy. Tyler, a lot of stuff to watch. All right, Pippa, thank you very much. As technology uh, basically tanks, our next guest says she's finding opportunity. Buying a couple of names today amid the pullback. Let's, let's bring in Victoria Fernandez, chief market strategist at Crossmark Global Investments. Uh, Victoria, before we, we declare you a, a, a wild child buying all this technology, let's point out as well that you've also been adding to some more uh, value names, including energy, including companies like CVS, including companies like Lockheed Martin. No, you're absolutely right, Tyler, because look, we think this market is going to continue to be quite volatile for the rest of the year. So you want to have a well-positioned portfolio, a balanced portfolio. So are we buying some tech names? We are. We're not saying go into the tech sector and buy everything there. What we're saying is look for those quality tech names, strong balance sheets, strong business models. You look at a name like NVIDIA, it is down 48% year to date. They had strong earnings. Their um, data center business is continuing to grow, as is their gaming um, section. And so they're going to continue to do well. This is a name where you can go in, buy a little bit into your portfolio with prices down where they are. Because look, Tyler, when you look at the tech space, especially some of these names like an NVIDIA, companies are really using their CapEx right now 
for tech. They need to have the cloud space. So you want names that have that, like Amazon with AWS as well. Mm -hmm. They need to increase their productivity. They have more remote workers, so they need security around their IT. All of this tells us that the tech space, there's certain names that will continue to do well even in this volatility. There was probably not a name that I can recall uh, more, more lauded than NVIDIA two years ago in terms of its business and, and the demand for its products and, 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 and how solid it really was. And it's obviously been tarred. It's gone down the same way uh, as many tech stocks are. So, so it's really when you're looking at the core business, and that's really what you're doing with, with Amazon, just as Michael Farr did uh, earlier today. He's looking at the three parts of the stool there, the, uh, the, the cloud, the advertising business that they have, which is underrated, and then third, of course, is retail. Yeah, that's right. And I mean, a good example of that, look at Oracle. When Oracle reported this week, they said cloud revenue was up around 20%. Infrastructure cloud um, business was up 36%. So you have names like the two we just mentioned, NVIDIA and Amazon, with that exposure to that cloud space, knowing that companies need to continue to build that out. I think those are areas where you can focus on within the larger sector. I don't think you go all in, as I mentioned, but find some of those areas, look at those different legs of the stool, and that gives you some opportunity in this volatility. And you're also a buyer of energy still here, Victoria? You know, we've actually, Kelly, been underweight energy for a while. So we've been using some of the pullbacks that we've seen um, to go in and add to some names. So hmm. we had energy down, what, 4% this week? I know Pippa just said it had uh, oil had turned back positive a little bit, but we want to go in and add to some of these because look, it's a supply and demand story right now. And I don't think demand is going to go down, especially as we enter the summer months. You have Beijing and Shanghai opening back up. And I don't think we're going to see supply in a, in a significant way come to market. So for us, energy still has an opportunity. That crack spread is like the 95th percentile right now. So they can take advantage of that spread and continue um, to have some upside potential. The only thing that would seem would really chill energy would be a recession. And you're not in that camp, are you? No, you're right, Tyler. We aren't. I mean, Maybe the percentages or the probability has gone up a little bit um, over the last 48 hours, but we still think the economy, the underlying fundamentals are strong enough with the labor market where it is, with corporate balance sheets where they are. We, you know, we haven't seen mm -hmm. um, really earnings expectations come back in enough to concern us too much right there. And household balance sheets, especially for the higher end wealth, is still pretty strong. So we think the recession may come second half of next year, but we should be pretty good for the rest of 2022. Victoria, thank you so much. We appreciate your time today. My pleasure. Victoria Fernandez, Crossmark Global Investments. And up next, we'll take a look at one of the worst performing sectors, consumer discretionary. It's down more than 5% again today, and the travel and leisure names are getting hit. It was supposed to be their summer. Before the break, though, check out two other major decliners, materials and energy. The biggest laggards are names like Albemarle, APA, and Diamondback. Power Lunch is back after this. Welcome back, everybody. As we mentioned, the consumer discretionary sector is one of the hardest hit today, and it's the travel names dragging the group lower. Norwegian Cruise Lines is down 11.5%. It's down 35% in a month. 
Royal Caribbean, very similar story. Carnival Cruise, as you can see, indiscriminate selling pressure against a sector that was supposed to be one of the big beneficiaries of the summer of reopening. The airlines are under pressure as well. Why? It's all about higher ticket prices, consumers talking about trading down. Delta down, Tyler, 8% today. All righty. Uh, and after the break, the names that typically perform well, even during a recession, our trader will tell you which to buy now when Power Lunch comes right back. Welcome back, everybody. We've just hit fresh session lows for the markets, down more than 900 points a moment ago on the Dow. That puts us below 29,800, as we've given up 30,000 today already for the first time since last January. The S&P is down 3.8% right now, uh, which is worse than the Dow's 2.9%. And look at the NASDAQ down almost 5%. It's down 4.7% or 500 points. It's back to 10,574. Worst performers of the blue chips today include Nike, American Express, and Chevron. Now that brings us to our three-stock lunch today. The theme is how to recession-proof your portfolio. Dollar General and AutoZone got upgraded to overweight at Morgan Stanley, saying their demand tends to hold up better during a downturn. We're also trading Pepsi, a traditional safe, uh, safety play for staples. Let's bring in Jeff Mills. He's Bryn Mawr Trust Chief Investment Officer and a CNBC contributor. Jeff, let's start um, with Dollar General. What do you do with the stock here? Yeah, hi, Kelly. I mean, whether it's an economic slowdown, whether it's a recession, we're looking for stocks that are going to do well in those environments. And I think Dollar General is one of those names. We've owned it for quite some time, and it's just a consistent outperformer when the economy is slowing. If you go back to 2011, 2015, 2016, 2018, 2020, every single time when you saw growth slow, Dollar General outperformed. And I also think in this particular environment, as customers start to trade down because of expensive prices, the customer base starts to expand for Dollar General. 80% of their products sell for less than $5, and 76% of their products uh, are, are consumer staples or everyday essentials. So even from an inventory perspective, you know, a lot of these companies like Target, consumer spending preferences are shifting. Their inventory is not matching. Dollar General isn't necessarily going to have that same problem. I think it's a reasonable valuation here. Our analyst who covers the name thinks high single-digit EPS growth for the next number of years. Uh, an interesting growth opportunity in Mexico for the company. So uh, once again, I think you get outperformance from a name like Dollar General. And a lot of people like uh, the auto uh, parts players, and your choice here is AutoZone. Yeah, AutoZone's a name we're looking at, Tyler. I think it, it's an interesting one here. And again, you're looking for companies that are going to be able to maintain some semblance of earnings growth in a slowdown. And when you're talking about a recession and people's cars, they're going to patch, glue, tape, whatever they can do. <laughs> so it's that fix versus buy sort of argument. And I think on top of that, again, specific to this environment, uh, you've had a shortage of new cars for over two years now. Uh, and I think that plays into it. You're also seeing the average age of a car on the road over 12 years. That's actually a record. So people are holding on to their cars. They're avoiding higher prices. They're avoiding that shortage of inventory. And again, I think the valuation is reasonable for a name like AutoZone. All right. That brings us to Pepsi. Jeff, what do you do with this stock? Yeah, so like you said, Kelly, Pepsi is sort of a, a typical name that you would look for in this sort of environment. The chart worries me a little bit. To me, it looks like a double top. I think you break below 153. You could have meaningful, meaningful downside from there. And the valuation here is what bothers me. At 23 times forward versus the sector at 18 times, you're just paying a premium. And I think all of these companies have the potential to have margin pressure, but margin pressure impacts the stock price more when you're trading at a premium valuation. So that's my issue here with Pepsi. 
All right, so that rounds it out for those three stocks. And do you want to leave us with a comment uh, with markets? Um, I was going to say puking. Maybe that's not polite. But uh, in response, I guess, uh, to what the Fed did yesterday, what do you think is going on here? Yeah, I mean, the market's doing what it, it, it told us it was going to do, and it, it's scared about interest rates. And I think the Fed was sort of maximum hawkish yesterday. Um, we got a little bit of a head fake again. This is exactly what happened last meeting. But, you know, I would anticipate more downside until you see inflation move to a point where the Fed is going to be able to put the brakes on. And, you know, I don't anticipate that happening anytime soon. So we're looking for maybe 3,500, then maybe 3,300. Um, those are levels I'd be paying attention, with, uh, paying attention to at this point. Well, we are rapidly approaching 3,600. Uh, Jeff, we'll leave it there. Thanks for your time. We appreciate it. And up next, the debate over market valuations as the Dow hits session lows. 921 points off right now. little bit off the session lows, but who's counting here? The Dow down more than 900 points. Losses have been accelerating this hour, bringing valuations back to levels not seen since the early days of the pandemic. And Dom Chu uh, has the charts and the proof and the numbers, Dom. All right. So what we're looking at is the forward price to earnings ratio, right? So every what you're going to pay in stock price today for every dollar of next year's expected earnings. It's a more forward looking way to look at valuations. So this is what it is over the last 10 years for the S&P 500, according to data from FactSet. And right now at these levels that you're seeing on the right-hand side, call it roughly 16 times forward earnings. That's something to keep an eye on here because if you go back, we're going back to April of 2020, the lowest level since, again, the emergence from the pandemic, bringing some to question whether or not the valuations have fallen enough given the rise in interest rates for this to become a more compelling trade, at least from a risk-reward perspective. Now, if you want to look at something more interesting about this, the reason why this kind of 16 level is, if I could go back to the other one, if you could show me back again, the reason why it's more compelling for that particular one there is because the average price-to-earnings ratio on a forward basis is around 17 times. So we're sitting right below where it on average is traded over the course of the last 10 years. So, yes, the market is selling off. There's a good reason why inflation's a big part of that story. There are a lot of concerns about growth going forward and recession. But these levels here, we don't want to induce panic because some folks are actually saying, you know what, this is a more compelling evaluation for the S&P even over the last 10 years. When, I went back, when you went back to that prior chart, if we do right. show it, at the peak, what was the forward multiple? So if you actually go back and look at the peaks over here, you're talking about 20-some times, about 24 to 26 times forward earnings going, again, the emergence from the pandemic, right? And that was because as we started to get stock prices up there, you were paying more and more, and people were trying to catch up with those earnings expectations going forward. So you're paying more for next year's anticipated earnings. Those valuations got stretched arguably because of things like zero interest rates. But as interest rates have fallen or risen, rather, you can kind of see the stock valuations have come down. As All a right. Result. Got to leave it there, Dom. Massive Thanks. reset, Dom. Thanks for watching Power Lunch, everybody. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. 
That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.